Thank you for tuning in to another week of the Live Life Aggressively podcast. Now, today's episode is a special episode because we're doing a two-part episode with our guest today, who is Dr. Mark Gordon. Now, Dr. Gordon has made great strides in making a connection between traumatic brain injuries and post-traumatic stress disorder and their effects upon hormone deficiencies and hormone optimization. So it's a very interesting topic that affects a wide array of people from soldiers returning back from war to athletes in high-impact sports such as football and and MMA, as well as everyday people who encounter brain injuries from anything from a fall to car accidents and so forth. A lot of these things play a big part in hormone deficiencies. So check out part one as we talk to Dr. Gordon how he came to this conclusion and how he has treated his patients who have been affected by these traumatic brain injuries. Again, this is part one of our interview with Dr. Mark Gordon right here on the Live Life Aggressively podcast. everybody welcome to another week this is the live life aggressive podcast sincere hogan that's me and my buddy mike marlon on the other line what's going on my man oh i'm doing great man and i'm really excited about today's guest today because we we everyone knows how interested i am in hormone optimization but i'm also really interested in helping soldiers with post-traumatic stress disorder that's a big talking point right now and dr gordon has looked at it from an angle that i see very few people if anyone for that matter, talking about, which is the hormonal connection. What happens when you have traumatic brain injury and how does that affect your hormonal profile? So we're going to get into that. But before we talk to our guest and introduce him and start talking about all things hormone optimization related, a couple things that you can do to support us. One, use coupon code LLA to get 10% off anything on my website, mikemahler.com, videos, supplements, eBooks, you name it. You can get 10% off anything. And how about with you, man? Same thing, man. Go to newwarriortraining.com. Use that same coupon code. Anything that you can purchase there, you can get 10% off from there. So make use of that coupon code, man. Also, I mean, I want to plug a few charities because I've noticed that a lot of charities right now are doing matching donations, hmm. such as Save the Chimp just sent out an email. Oh, yeah, I saw that. We had, yeah, we had the director on our show. The episode hasn't been released yet, but it's going to be out in a couple of weeks. Great organization. And right now, for example, if you donate 100 bucks, they have a donor that will match that. Mm -hmm. And Nevada SPCA is doing that. It's one of the organizations I support out here helping homeless animals. Quite a few organizations are doing that right now. I think Giving Tuesday is what they call yeah. it, where they basically have a big donor that will match any donation you give. So check, check out SaveTheChimps.org. Check out NevadaSPCA.org, VoiceForTheAnimals.org. A lot of good organizations out there, and these are the best gifts you can give people for the holidays. Don't buy them a vacuum cleaner uh -huh. that's going to end up in the closet. Or, 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 no, or another iPhone. I mean, come or on. another tie, another tie <laughs> to add to a collection that's never worn. T-shirts. You know, I mean, buy our products, of course. Those are great gifts. And Sears God, you have any more Triadors left? Or okay, you at the that? time that we're recording this, I have now pretty much because this is right after Cyber Monday, which I didn't do any of that stuff. You know, people just actually went to the website and bought stuff. I didn't even promote that stuff, but. 
Right. I, I'm out again. I'm down to one. I have one as we're recording this right now. So by the time the show comes out, that one's probably going to be gone. Have another <laughs> batch in production right now that's supposed to be ready within the next few weeks because, again, the guy does it by hand. And I actually put in a big order, so this might take a little while, about four to five weeks. So once they're ready, we will talk about it here on the show. And I'm also in the works of doing a coffee subscription service. So it's going to be a coffee of the month where I'm just pretty much picking some of the best coffees from around the world. Each month I feature those and you can subscribe to that. And you don't have to worry about me being out of those because those will be available for everyone. So that's what's in the works now. Awesome, man. Sounds good. Yeah. Now, also a couple plugs to people that have been supporting our show by giving reviews. We've got Mathis and Solar Powered Sarah that gave us some nice reviews on Stitcher. Mathis said he doesn't care about my music, <laughs> about the, the music guests that we've had on. <laughs> Come on, Mathis. Nobody asked you to post that. But he said, hey, if you guys can get Glenn Dead, great. It's like, nah, I don't think we're going to do that. So we'll take, how about Matt Danzig? That, is that, can we do that? <laughs> yeah, we got Matt. We'll get a Danzig on. It's just not going to be Glenn. So we'll meet you halfway. And then also just a shout out to some customers that have been using that coupon code to support my business, which in turn supports the show as well. Keith Peters, Ryan Gray, John Roberts, they all use coupon code LLA to get some products and show support for the show. So we definitely appreciate that. Same thing for Jared Felty, my man, Isaac Wilkins, you know, longtime friend of mine and also purchased the Cheerio door like right away once they were available again. You know, those guys, big shouts out to you and thanks for supporting our businesses. We really appreciate it. All right. Now, on to our guest. We have Doc. I first saw, I first got introduced to Dr. Mark Gordon's work a couple of years ago. I, I attended a anti aging seminar in Las Vegas, and he gave a fascinating presentation on the importance of growth hormone and how to optimize growth hormone. And then I started following some of his work for some time after that. And then recently he emailed me and gave me some great information on some of the stuff that I've written, some stuff to think about. And then let me know about some of the episodes of other shows he's been on. So he's mm-hmm. been on Superhuman Radio. He was on R- Joe Rogan's podcast recently. Right. Episode Smart Money. Five, seven, yeah, yeah. 574 of Joe Rogan's podcast. And five, seven, what was three. the other one? 573. Oh, 573. Yeah, no, okay. Um, he's on Smart Money Radio as well. Yeah. So, I mean, you just this, – this guy has got it down. And what I – again, in addition to being a hormone optimization expert, he's doing some fantastic work – to help soldiers with PTSD. So without any further ado, Dr. Gordon, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. Appreciate it. Oh, it's a real pleasure. Now, how did this, how did you start putting this connection together between traumatic brain injuries with soldiers or with anyone in general? I know you did, I know you first started looking at it with athletes, the connection between traumatic brain injury and their hormonal profiles. And then you started looking at soldiers. How did this whole thing come together for you? Well, it really happened uh, way before that. Um, Between the age of 34 and 47, I started feeling depressed and having a lot of um, symptoms that we see in people with PTSD and traumatic brain injury. And I went and had hormone testing done in 99 and found that I was growth hormone, testosterone, and thyroid deficient and subsequently started on replenishment and within eight weeks was feeling great. And it took until about 2004 when I was reviewing some articles for a lecture on growth hormone where an article came out of, of all places, Turkey, talking about pugilists and they're having a very high occurrence of growth hormone deficiency. Mm -hmm. That's my epiphany article. When I saw that, 
it just gelled. It just solidified that there must be some kind of relationship between head trauma and hormone deficiency. And then going back, looking at the literature, there was a wealth of information about traumatic brain injury and hormone deficiency, not only growth hormone, but testosterone and thyroid and cortisol. So that was my uh, beginning in 2004. And yes, I was seeing a lot of uh, people, retired football. I did an ESPN outside the line in 2006 talking about uh, sports players with injury and how they can get better if their hormones were more normal right. because mm-hmm. of that relationship between you know trauma and losing hormones. And then 2007, January, with a colleague by the name of Dan Kelly, who's at uh, St. John's Hospital, head of the Department of uh, Neurosurgery, uh, we did a project where took some of our patients from uh, football and James Tony. I can mm-hmm. say their names because they're signed out to be able to talk about mm-hmm. them. And they were hormone deficient. And we did a wonderful ESPN in January 2007 where we showed lab results on people like uh, football players and uh, boxers and a deficiency. And then it made sense that people who were being exposed to repetitive trauma like repetitive gunfire or people who had blast trauma, uh, you know, because of our new technology and protecting the body during war, if you can do that, Mm -hmm. um, people were coming home or guys, our vets were coming home with their bodies intact, but their brain impaired because of uh, the trauma of uh, blast trauma or repetitive uh, motion. And they were coming back being labeled as uh, PTSD, which in the pure sense, PTSD or post-traumatic stress disorder is one in which a psychological impact has caused emotional changes. Mm -hmm. And the difference between PTSD is there's no physical component of it, but all these guys were exposed to a physical uh, component, whether or not it was an explosion, a fall, parachuting. We have people who have parachuted Uh, And because of the hard impacts have developed traumatic brain. We have patients who were in accidents five to seven miles an hour who developed traumatic brain. The majority of the traumatic brain injury are 85 percent are called mild. It's very subtle. And that's why it's being missed. All these guys coming back with PTSD have a mild form, which over a period of weeks, months or years can lead to not only personality change, but cognitive impairment and then depression. And unfortunately, the literature talks about 17 years down the road where it can take for these symptoms to develop. And by 17 years or by 15 or 10 or eight or seven, um, they go to a doc saying, you know, I'm depressed. And immediately they get put onto antidepressants without being asked, have you had any physical trauma, bodily trauma or brain trauma? And then boom, let's go and check the hormones. Why, why don't more doctors check hormones, Dr. Gordon? Because I find that whenever the topic of hormone optimization comes up with a lot of doctors, they're very yeah. incredulous exactly. about the idea of even looking at hormones or, or for that matter, just looking at hormones and, and replacing hormones. A lot of doctors seem to be very skeptical about exactly. that. Exactly. Or they'll question you like, why are you, at, you know, you're, you're 42. Why are you worrying about that right now? That's yeah. Why are you that even asking? Yeah. You should worry about that when you're 70. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, really? I don't want yeah, to wait that long. Yeah, you got to be dead. You got to be close to dead before they're looked at. You know, I've been a uh, uh, associate clinical professor um, uh, volunteer at uh, USC. And one of my gurus there is uh, Dr. Caleb Finch, who um, many, many years ago uh, developed a concept of what's called uh, aging. And he has the neurohormone 
theory of aging, meaning that the hormones that regulate our body when they become deficient is what starts the process, the downward spiral yeah. of our death, because we're finding that hormones are more than just for reproduction. Testosterone, estrogen, progesterone, pregnenolone, all those things are maybe 40% involved with our sexuality and reproductive ability, but 60% deal with everything else in our body. We've now found that there is a grouping called neurosteroids, testosterone, thyroid, everything made in our brain, as well as what we call neuroactive steroids, which are the steroids that are made in our testicles, our adrenal glands, our thyroid gland, and they get into the brain. But we've recognize that we have a system in our brain that generates it. And this system is extremely important for modulating, modifying our thought patterns, yeah. our reactive patterns. When you're in the, um, you know, doing MMA, you want to have that aggression. And the amygdala part of the brain deals with that. And it's testosterone regulated. Right. And it's DHEA regulated, DHT regulated. And if you lose those or the ability to make it in the brain, you lose that edge. You lose that aggressiveness. Right. So why are doctors afraid to? I think it's basically because we look at medicine. I was trained in illness medicine. For 18 years out of my 33 years in practice, it's illness medicine. It means if you're not sick and dying, then get out of my office. But the trend has been changing to be one of wellness medicine. Let's look and see if everything in your body is optimal. The older school, the old school of medicine, illness-related. The new right. school mm -hmm. is wellness-related. Right. Let's check your protein. Let's see your carbs. Let's see what type of carbs you're having. How about your, you know, your, um, uh, your bacteria in your gut? Right. You know, right. do you need to put in some uh, better bacteria into your gut so you're better digested? These are proactive. Yes. These are interventional. Yeah. Why do we have to wait until things go completely awry before we do something? It's like right. waiting until your car has 30 problems and then you do something yeah, about it. Why, why don't you just get maintenance regularly and stay ahead exactly. of that? Car? Why do you wait Absolutely. for the engine to blow up before you get an oil change? Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, in the state of California, they did a study and they found that more Californians spend money to maintenance for maintenance on their car than on their own personal well-being. Oh, I don't doubt it. I, I think I think probably everybody falls into that category. Oh, exactly. right. And then I always laugh when people talk about, oh, gas is so expensive. I go, look, that's that's pretty low on, on the <laughs> list of things that are expensive regarding your car, well, especially when you let it deteriorate to a point where now you have to overhaul the whole thing. Yeah. Do you buy bottled water? <laughs> I don't, no. <laughs> no, you have a, a ionizer or something. I have yeah, a filtration, filter, yeah. you have filtration yeah. system. Yeah. How much is a bottle of water per gallon? It's more than gasoline. It is. Right? It's true. Right. You know, so but true. we just we just you know <laughs> jump at the opportunity to buy bottled water, but we <laughs> complain if the gas prices go up. They are high, but that's besides the point. And you saw that they dropped by a significant amount. Yeah, they it's like 239 yeah. here in Texas, so. Yeah, I'm waiting for the pumps to show it and you know, thankfully, you know, OPEC ended up dumping more uh petroleum onto the market as opposed to pulling back. Right. That's why the prices are dropping. Yeah. Right. Anyway, but we're not here to talk about that. No, but back back to the hormones. Now you made a, you're making some great points about brain health and hormones. Now, when you take hormones such as testosterone injections, pregnenolone cream or trochies, can it pass the blood brain barrier to improve those levels in the brain? Well, that's a great question. Um, it depends on the delivery technology that you're using. I personally don't use any topical testosterone because in the 
hair follicles is an enzyme called 5-alpha reductase right. that mm -hmm. converts testosterone to dihydrotestosterone, which doesn't get into the brain. Right. It circulates in the blood, shutting off your hair production, causing your prostate to enlarge, your testicles to shrink, acne, oily skin. The true forms of testosterone, like injectable, are by far the best. And then a new product that eventually will be coming out through compounded pharmacies is a sublingual testosterone where 10 milligrams of sublingual gets into the brain like 50 milligram injection. Mm. And therefore, it uh, there's no need to inject. And then with the topical, topical are convenient. But, you know, what happens is you give your girlfriend a hug and she becomes a <laughs> Right, right. And then they started the one yeah. under the armpit. Or people you know? have kids. You're picking up your kids and you have all Correct. this testosterone in your hands. And now all of a sudden your <laughs> six-year-old has a beard. <laughs> that's, that's right. And they start stealing your razor blades. <laughs> so so the, also the issue is in women, which I keep on seeing, is women are being put onto topical testosterone. They also have the same enzyme in their hair follicle, and therefore they start complaining about hair loss. Yeah, and they start complaining about where they put the product. It causes hair growth. So about five years ago, we did a pilot study, and we only used vaginally applied uh, testosterone, and the benefits are multitude. I don't know, you know, if people want to hear that the contractions during orgasm get better when you use vaginally applied testosterone, and the whole system works a lot better and you can use less vaginally applied estrogen, progesterone and testosterone. Yeah, you can make that part of you can make that part of foreplay. Put exactly. a little bit of testosterone. I'm sure no one's going to complain about that happening. Okay. Have you been watching our play our uh, play guide? <laughs> it's an important factor. So you know the hormones. One of the most important things I can state about uh, testosterone is that, in general, we as physicians have been over dispensing, over utilizing testosterone. Uh, because we've been following the bodybuilding industry that really put us on point in the need for testosterone and not only physical improvement, but in psychological and all-around wellness. But the dosing, I mean, if we look at what a healthy 25 to 35-year-old male makes, and that's between 4 to 10 milligrams a day or 28 to 70 milligrams per week, in a healthy, strapping, young male why are we putting two to 300 milligrams in? And then to counter the conversion of estrogen, which is only being converted because you're overdosing your body and the body says, wait a minute, too much testosterone. Let's make it into estradiol, right. Right. give you bitch tits, give you, you know, <laughs> personality change, make your voice higher, right. and make you, you know, grow, you know, lose your testicular size as opposed to using physiological dosing. And a lot of the docs that, and I talk on andropause dealing with testosterone, right. And we use, in the office, 40 milligrams twice a week to 60 milligrams once a week. And we have a lot of guys who come in here who are testosterone deficient that are young between their 30s and 50s. And they say, that's too little. I'd be embarrassed to go into the gym and tell the guys I'm on testosterone, but I'm only <laughs> taking 40, 60 milligrams. And they come back saying, I don't believe it. I am doing phenomenally well because you're not burning out the system. Right. I will I mean, say on the other side, there are 
noted benefits to supra-physiological dosing of testosterone, and that is increase in growth hormone production. But we mm. still see it using low dose consistently and not using, you know, three months on a cycle, three months off a cycle, consistent right. if you're deficient. And we use 40 to 60 milligrams, and we do m blood levels, so we know because that's the other thing that a lot of doctors seem to be skeptical about is I've often heard doctors say we don't know what the optimal level of testosterone is. So what what barometer do you what number are you trying to get people to? What numbers? Well, believe it or not, the main number which is used called total testosterone yep. is really a poor marker. Because what is total testosterone? It's all the forms of testosterone. The question is, which are the ones that are the most significant in my venue of traumatic brain injury? And that's the free testosterone. Right. So the free testosterone is the key. And some of the people that I follow very closely, who are I call my gurus in endocrinology, um, uh, Ron Swerdloff, Dr. Ron Swerdloff, one of the tops in endocrinology at UCLA and C and um, uh, Harvard General, just a wonderful, wonderful human being, realized in a couple of articles uh, years, uh, four or five years ago, that maybe we should be looking at the free testosterone, which is contrary to the mainstream medical perception that it's total, but it's the free testosterone that gets into the brain to be converted to dihydrotestosterone, to be converted to 3-alpha-androstenedione, to do the things it does in the brain, and it's an right. absolutely incredible a hormone in the brain. That's why it's also made in the brain. Now, people who work out really hard, right, they tend to have larger androgen receptor uptake of testosterone. So is that a factor in? Yes. So an athlete may have high total, but low free, but the free may be low just because of the arduous training that he's Correct. going through. What I, what I find in my aesthetic, very physically fit, thin, driven um, athletes, whether or not they're you know, doing triathletes or doing marathons or they just are on these five-day-a-week, hour, twice-a-day schedules is that right. they burn through their testosterone readily because it's a liver-related function and right. you have to address the liver. Mm. I mean, one of the warning issues for anyone taking more than 100 milligrams a day is that they have to also take certain products which will protect the liver from, uh, from excessive dosing. Also, right. a warning about Arimidex or I should say an astrazole, yeah. which is the estrogen uh, conversion blocker. I've never used it. We use zinc citrate, which is a natural estrogen blocker, and it has 300 beneficial functions in the body. The detriment of an astrazole is that it blocks growth hormone production in the brain. Right. I have a uh, ex-NFL player that we're now 18 months into detoxing him from uh, an astrozole, yeah. he's going through menopause-like symptoms. Wow. I've heard a lot of people say that about Arimidex, that it lowers estrogen too much, and in particular in the brain. So people now Correct. start having mood, mood issues. You got and it. Their testosterone to estrogen ratio is totally skewed now. It's totally off. Correct. You need a balance. There was an article written by a colleague of ours, Abraham Morgenthaler, who's the man right. responsible yeah. for naming low T syndrome. He's in Harvard at the men's clinic there. And he, um, a, a article was published recently talking about 
the need for estrogen balance in males, which yeah. is counterintuitive, but is it's it, extremely necessary. Right. Is there a certain ratio you look at between testosterone and estrogen? I don't look estrogen? at a ratio. What it is is a number. Okay. Uh, for us, it's 30 nanograms per milliliter right. or less or 25, which is a healthy level of uh, estradiol. I've had guys come in here who are on estrogen blockers, whether or not it's the you know, uh, tamoxifene uh, citrate or and, um, and anastrozole, where their levels are, you know, two, three. Well, right. estrogen in the brain increases growth hormone production, increases the, protect, the protection of the brain through something called neuroglias, increases blood flow in the brain through nitric oxide synthetase. So it has all these benefits, and we're negating them by just throwing onto the individual uh, these blockers when all you really need to do is lower the dose. Right. But everybody thinks more is better. Right, yeah. How do you know what more is for the individual? We individualize all our treatments. We don't use a generic approach to any patient. We look at every patient, their history, their nutrition, everything. We look at their biochemistry, their hormone milieu, and then we start them on a protocol which similar to others, but it ends up being tweaked into a very unique based on their response. Right. And we follow blood tests. Yeah. yeah. Dr. Gordon, I want to go back to the hormone treatment that you were speaking about, um, that the they're going to have it where it's sublingual. Now, when it's sublingual, I think one of the issues that have happened when it comes to sublingual dosing of anything has always been about absorption. Now, would that be an issue, like just to say if the no. patient is not able to absorb the it? Yeah, the beauty, and I'll you know give myself a little bit of a plug. Uh, in 2001, <laughs> I uh, helped develop a nanoliposomal growth hormone stimulator, which now is the number one sold worldwide uh, through physicians right now, only through physicians since 2006. Mm -hmm. And um, the technology is called nanoliposomal. What it does is it envelops the particle, whether or not it's testosterone or amino acids or what have you, it envelops it into a microsphere. And this microsphere is small enough to pass right into the blood vessels, mm. through the blood vessels into the blood. And if you should swallow it, it gets coated on the lining of the esophagus and gets absorbed. If it should hit the stomach where their acid is, mm -hmm. this sphere also is acid resistant because it's like uh, a cell wall. Right. Okay. So it's protected against acid. So absorption is great. It takes me 12 and a half minutes to feel the buzz from 10 milligrams of, of testosterone. And my brother from another mother who wears some heavy dreads, uh, it takes <laughs> yeah, five, me? <laughs> five Yeah, he's talking about you. <laughs> exactly. Now, you know, I can't see you, so I don't know. Uh, all I hear is this very sophisticated, well-refined uh, uh you know, diction from you. So I can't place you quite. So anyway, um, the nanoliposomal allows for absorption. Uh, it's compounded um, where, you know, our compounding laboratory is the ones who are um, uh, producing it. Mm -hmm. um, it's on hold. We did a, a study on it um, for a year and a half with about 140 people, did blood tests. We did uh, testing on the liver and so forth. You know, there are readily available sublingual oils, sublingual chochis, this, that, and the other, but they don't get absorbed because the size, the particle size is so large. Yeah. So mm -hmm. what we do is our technology breaks it down to less than 50 nanometers, 
which is the size that you need to penetrate through passively, penetrate from outside the blood vessel into the blood. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Now, with this blood-brain barrier, if let's say someone's on a terrible diet and they've got poor sleep, so they just revamp their lifestyle. They're getting good sleep now. They've improved their diet, their training. They've lost body fat. Their testosterone's going up. Will that natural production affect the blood-brain barrier? Will it pass? Will it pass it and improve yeah, brain uh, health? Or, uh, what we call is fat-soluble or lipophilic, fat-loving um, molecules get into the past the BBB a lot faster than water. Okay. Um, I'm just writing on our uh, the section on blood-brain barrier for this book on traumatic brain injury, talking about just that issue. And the blood-brain barrier is unbelievable, complex in how it works to filter things, right. whether it's water-soluble or toxins, this, that, and the other. But when you have head trauma, that breaks down, and a lot of the junk that should be kept out of the brain is allowed to get in. Yes. And it's these inflammatory chemicals that are produced in the body, let's say, if your physical, uh, if your um, body contact, uh, you know, you were shot or you've fallen or in a car accident, the body produces these chemicals that the brain tries to keep out. Believe it or not, there's a chemical called IL-6, interleukin-6, which is generated in any inflammatory disease. Right. The most common non-full disease is in a cold. And, you know, when you're sick, you don't feel so intelligent. Well, they found that <laughs> right. leukin 6 causes our IQ to drop. And this is one of the uh, <laughs> articles that Dr. Caleb Finch uh, wrote uh, with a group, a beautiful article on cytokines, yeah. and cytokinins, which deals with this. And loss of the blood-brain barrier allows these things to get into in our brain and dull our cognitive ability and alter our effective uh, who we are, our mood, mood disorders. Right. Mm -hmm. Now with these, with these soul, now when someone who's had this brain trauma, do you feel that hormone replacement is the only way to get them restored, to get them feeling good, to get their levels back to optimal ranges? Well, um, what I do is I don't have a glass ball to see into the future or see sure. into every patient. Right. But what we do is a comprehensive group of uh, hormones. There are 28 markers that we look at. And these 28 markers, based upon their pattern, will dictate if they're deficient in testosterone, estrogen, progesterone, growth hormone, thyroid, or adrenal fatigue, or stress where the cortisol production is very high. So to answer that question, I have to say I have to rely upon the laboratory results. But I would interject that the way that we interpret the lab results is different than how the majority of the medical community interprets them. Traditionally, when you have a hormone, let's say, that has a range between 10 and 90, it, if your result is 11, the traditional interpretation would say normal. Yeah. Even though you might have symptoms, those symptoms are ignored because traditionally the numbers are all we look at. Yeah. We yeah. don't listen to the patient. Right. We've got some 23 pages that the patient fills out in order for us to get a feel for, you know, what they're going through. And then we sit and interview them and review everything and then do the laboratory work. And we then spend about an hour to an hour and a half reviewing the lab results with the patient 
and giving them direction as far as what might be helpful to them. Now, I've been stung a couple of times by having people, uh, clients or patients, uh, they're only patients if they're ill. They're yeah. clients if they're healthy coming in to find out how they can improve their health level. Right. And people coming in where their hormone levels, let's say testosterone, for instance, is right in the middle, 50th percentile. Yeah. I've still given them a challenge test of testosterone, and they fill out a paper a week later. And I had someone, a retired NFL, uh, who came in, drew his blood, gave them what we call the provocative testosterone testing. You don't know for their body, for them, if they're deficient or not, regardless of the numbers, unless you challenge their body. Yeah. He came in, both knees were hurting him. His personality was a little bit off. Five days later, his knees, he said, were 150% better. And I could tell his personality was improved. About three months after being on a protocol where we took his 50 percentile range of testosterone to 75, still within the normal range, yeah. but at the higher end, he's in the gym now almost every day. He's got a great personality. He's not as irritable and reactive. So to answer the question, sometimes you need to listen to the patient more than looking at the numbers. Absolutely. Yeah. And that, that's the other mistake I think a lot of doctors make is they just look at lab work. And they go, oh, you fall within the normal range. You're fine. <laughs> well, you're okay. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Even though the person's saying, I feel terrible. I've got no sex right. drive. My sex function's poor. My mood is off. It's like, yeah, but your numbers are, they're normal. That's right. What is normal? And in, in this uh, chapter six of the book, which goes over the laboratory of traumatic brain injury, it starts off by talking about uh, some studies that were done in 74 by these two absolute gurus in mathematics and statistics, and they basically said that what we have accepted as standard laboratory results or reference laboratory ranges are worthless right. because mm. they're about a group. They're not about an individual. And what they recommended is that we take every individual as just that, an yeah. individual. Yeah. Yeah. Don't mm. use someone else's results or pooled results to address what you're going to do with this person. You bump them up. Now, I said a hypothetical lab was between 10 and 90. Well, if you take 10 and 90 and add it together, it's 100 mm -hmm. divided by two, it gives you what's called the median, mm -hmm. the right. midpoint, 50. So we try to get our people up to that median, and then if need be, take them from the 50 to the 90th percentile. We always stay within physiological ranges, within yeah. the physiological ranges. We never go above the physiological, it's not our goal to. And if they're above that, we pull <clears> them back down. Yes, it's, yeah. it's funny how the medical community can take a page out of the supplement community when they say that individual results may vary. <laughs> so, so it's funny how the supplement companies kind of somewhat get it, at least to you know save themselves legally, you know, right. when they make that statement or whatever. Yeah. Now, what I want to what I want to ask you, Doctor Gordon, is this: with all your research and and the patients and clients that you worked with. How has the branches of the military, the first responders, the NFL, the MMA organizations, boxing organizations, how have they received your work and do they work with you or do they find that you're a little bit of a hindrance to them because you kind of exploit the way they're exploiting a lot of these athletes and also that they're not necessarily addressing some of the issues of these soldiers when you speak about, you know, the branches of the military or have you found that they've actually been open to work with you with this? Um, I'm just entering that arena. Mm -hmm. um, back in, um, since 2009, uh, a news release came out, 
talking about our offering to any military um, free laboratory testing. Uh, the laboratory I work with, Access Medical Lab in Jupiter, Florida, has given me a matching fund. We match out of our office practice, we match the funds to pay for uh, assessment of the military. That was 2009. Mm -hmm. And then in 2012, Life Extension ma uh, Magazine uh, sent three docs and interviewed me relative to this issue of using hormones to heal traumatic brain. So we started getting military from that. Uh, and then in January, we did uh, the first um, Joe Rogan number 438. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. 438. And then this last one is 574. And what's happened is we're starting to see more and more military come in. And we're seeing so many that we burnt out of our funds. Um, I'm in the process of going out of the country to do some work to generate funds to bring back so I can see more. I've had uh, a couple of very well-to-do patients offer a significant amount of money as well as to set up uh, 301C, a charitable organization, 501C, charitable organization that just blew me away because they've been with me a long time and they understand my personality you know, my father was in the military, and he unfortunately, I was in computer technology and laboratory science working on pediatric immunology, oncology, cancer research at Cedar sinai and my father gets bone marrow cancer and dies in eight months. Mm -hmm. And um, everything I've been doing has been in his memory yeah. to do the right things, to, you know, share whatever it is I spend my time uh, learning. So the military... They, they've got so many programs out there. I have someone in, up there in the military who told me there are so many programs out there that I'm the only one outside of it all who's getting results hmm. and results without the drugs that they're using right, right. and results that are allowing people to come back online. And you'll see in the near future um, someone that we have in Washington who after 21 years of having fibromyalgia, depression, borderline depression – Five weeks on a program, 70% better, and he gets redeployed to Afghanistan, comes back with a higher position in the government, and he's now in Washington looking for an avenue for us to meet uh, with the right people to share our technology, which is so inexpensive. Yeah. Uh, I have patients coming in on $500, $1,000 a month of drugs, of medication, right? and they end up right. getting on to... 40 to 60 dollars a month of what we do the, pro the problem is is that a lot of times insurance covers the drugs right right <laughs> correct but it doesn't cover i mean 60 dollars <clears throat> obviously is not that much so that's fine right but insurance so won't, you don't insurance won't cover that 60 dollars but it will probably cover the thousand dollars of correct. pharmaceuticals but they i have patients who come in who are on three or more antidepressants at the same time and that is called yeah. Treatment-resistant depression. And if you look at the 20,000 articles out there on treatment-resistant depression, you'll see about 3,000 articles specifically stating testosterone is associated with that. Right. Yeah. And if you replenish the testosterone, you'll get them doing better on their antidepressants. We go one step further. We put in a few other things to protect them. Uh, when they're taking testosterone, because if you take only testosterone, you shut off about eight 
other hormones in the brain that deal with regulation of mood, cognition, personality. And a lot of my colleagues are learning about it through the lectures I give. And I give all my lectures gratis for the past, you know, 12, 14 years, 15 years. Um, and well, what, are, what are the other hormones that testosterone well, replacement can have a negative impact? When you use testosterone, you shut off DHEA and you shut off pregnenolone. Pregnenolone becomes allopregnenolone, progesterone, allopregnanolone, which are protective and regenerating in the brain. DHEA causes the brain to produce more myelin, so it stimulates a cell called oligodendrocytes to produce myelin, which helps with nerve conduction in the brain. If you shut these off, these neurosteroids, you lose in about four to six months. I've seen, yeah. you know, docs come to me, you know, I put a patient on testosterone therapy and four to six months into it, they started failing and I had to increase the amount of testosterone and they weren't responding. I said, did you give them DHE and pregnenolone? They said, no. I said, put it back on board because yeah. it takes about four to six months to shut off uh, DHE and pregnenolone production in the average person. Okay. And they're extremely okay. important. Yeah, I think you have to look at hormones as an orchestra, not just a singular unit. Right, exactly, not just a bassoon over there. You know. Like, let's right. give him testosterone, send him on his way, and then you're not taking into account how that's impacting upstream hormones, right. DHEA, pregnenolone, et cetera. So do you think it's a good idea to look at all of those numbers and then start off with a protocol where you're replacing each of those hormones, or is it a case-by-case -case basis? Well, what we do is we do a unified laboratory testing, unified because – the males get the same as the female, okay. and they look at the broad spectrum of all hormones, and that's a great baseline to, uh, to know exactly where the body's at, because if you're taking testosterone and you have a uh, growth hormone deficiency, you won't get the maximum benefit of testosterone, or if you're um, low in thyroid and um, you didn't find that you're um, have high amount of growth hormone because you're injecting yourself, um, you need to replace more thyroid because they're all right. interactive, the right. symphony right. you talked about. Yeah. And you have to look at it as a jigsaw puzzle. You can't look at it as one single entity. Yeah. I think this is where a lot of people get intimidated. Because they, they're like, oh, I'm, I'm worried about taking all these hormones. It's going to cause cancer. <laughs> you know, There's a lot of fear out there yeah. about yeah. hormones. People think of hormones. They think, oh, well, if, you, if a woman takes estrogen, she's going to get breast cancer. Well, <laughs> if the woman was taking the form of conjugated estrogen that we used to use, which had like 27 different estrogens in it, but only maybe two that we can use, and it came from pregnant mare urine. Yeah, I was going to say mm -hmm. horse urine. Now our <laughs> are phyto-based, phyto for plant, okay. uh, like uh, the little patches or the cream that they have. They're all from wild yams. And in fact, um, I just had a paper on my desk, uh, testosterone coming from yams. So all our hormones from DHEA to estrogen, progesterone, testosterone are all coming from yams. They're 100% bioidentical, bioequivalent, and they're pure. So you don't get the junk that comes in with other, you know, forms of uh, animal-based xenoestrogens right. to cause the breast cancer. And I'll tell you, we didn't know what we were doing. We were just giving 0.625 or 1.25 of this conjugated estrogen. And, okay, we never checked the level. Yeah, and right. we were the ones, I really believe, my opinion, 
my opinion, is that I think we were at the crux of creating a lot of the cancers because we were giving hormones out across the board, everybody being equal and never checking the levels. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I liked it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, this is... Well, this we're, we're, we're trying not to interrupt you. you know? <laughs> you so the yeah is just so you know that we're actually listening to you. <laughs> yeah, you know, when I, was on the, when I was on the Joe Rogan show, you know, he's making comment that I can talk endlessly. And I said, I come from a household with four women in it. <laughs> the only... The only other male in the house is my. Well, I, I get a I get a lot of flack from our listeners for for always interrupting <laughs> guests. And what they don't realize is that I'm trying I'm either trying to steer them in a direction or clarify a point. Right. So I'm probably so now I'm probably yeah. a little bit too I cautious. No problems. No I'm long winded because I'm, you know my hormone level at 62 is you know healthy. <laughs> no, you look good. You look yeah, good. Exactly. You're doing great. I tried. You look great. I tried. Now, with, with back with the soldiers, what have been some of the results that you've gotten with people? Where you've what, what were they feeling like before they came to you? Well, and what were you able to do with them right, to make them I, feel better? Fine. Uh, I'll just uh, index. Uh, if anyone really wants to see the um, ex-Navy SEAL Petty Officer Matthew Gosney talk about his experience from beginning to where he's at now, that's that Joe Rogan uh, 574. But yeah. to answer your question... Um, they came in with classical symptoms of hormone deficiency, meaning in the testosterone group, all the things that you said earlier, fatigue, insomnia, hypersomnia, they were sleeping a lot, uh, lack of libido, that's for the average person, you know, they didn't want to have sex, uh, depression, dysthymia, they say, let's go out for dinner, no, I don't want to go out to dinner, let's socialize, no, I don't want to socialize, I want to stay in bed for 24-7, right. um, cognitive impairment, uh, rea a eruptive personality, anger, uh, rage, aggression, irritability. I mean, I have a questionnaire that has about a hundred words on it, adjectives to explain how they feel. And what happened is with Matthew specifically is in 10 days, he started feeling better. Yeah. And at six weeks, he states he was um, feeling more like himself. And right. we monitor the patients every month. Uh, after the first month. In the first month, we talk with them at week one, week three, and then four weeks, and every four weeks thereafter to monitor how they're doing to see if there's little adjustments that we can make or need to make. Right. And he is, I mean, you can see him on the programs we did, Superhuman Radio with Carl Lenore, yep. and on uh, Joe Rogan, uh, and Jason Hall was there from American Sniper, um, the benefit he's had, he's, he's working, he's now in charge of night shift at a, a hospital laboratory, uh, and he's now educating the doctors in the emergency room on traumatic brain and hormonal assessment, yeah. which is really missed. One of, one of our colleagues, uh, uh, Amar Aga from uh, Dublin, Ireland, who's an endocrinologist who specializes in traumatic brain, came to the United States eight, nine years ago, and he said, we're failing to do the testing in the emergency room to document the beginning because three months later, 56% of the people with head trauma can have one or multiple hormone deficiencies. So what we're finding with the hormone replacement in Matthew's case, as well as I'll say almost everybody, just to let you know that I'm still learning, um, that people have had improvement 
in their sense of well-being, cognition, assertiveness, aplomb. Uh, the musicians are coming back to um, more creative. Their creativity is improving. The afternoon fatigue. What's unique to testosterone, there's a secondary pulse in the afternoon. And we have a questionnaire here. What time do you get um, fatigue in the afternoon? And the answer is three to four is when that second pulse happens. Right. And they fill out the paper, and then I pull up a paper on my my um, uh, computer, and I show them this thing that says three to four. 90%, 80% of the people put three to four because that's natural. They lose that pulse yeah. mm-hmm. in the afternoon. So he is just charging. I mean, the women, they feel better. They more are, um, they have more of the sense of well-being and aplomb, the confidence that um, they were missing because their level of testosterone yeah. was too low. No, that was a great episode. You could te- definitely tell the changes Matthew had made, and it was it was parts of it were disheartening in the sense that he went through a divorce, and yeah. that probably could have been avoided if right. he had come to you earlier, because well, it was a tough situation. He's he's depressed all the time. He's moody. His his wife had a hard time dealing with that. Understandably, right. you know, went on for a long period of time. He was lashing out because of these hormone issues. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, and I wonder how many couples are in that situation. Forget about just soldiers. Well, how, how many couples where right. both of them have hormonal issues, and that's the main reason why they're having so many problems in their marriage, yeah. but it's never addressed. Yeah, I see um, in the very beginning, I used to have single you know, individuals coming in. They might have had a significant other, but individuals coming in. And I made it so that um, their significant other was welcome to come in so that they can dis- – hear the discussion so they understand that it's the hormonal deficiency that has created this change in personality. And when you have the hormones replenished back to physiological normal, you see that they're improving. I have a a gentleman that I just uh, uh, have been working with, uh, in my mind, I'm done, uh, who had a breakup in his relationship because he had lost all those qualities of um, a sexuality and libido and warm, touchy-feeliness that you get when you want to get laid. And <laughs> right. you lose that. Yeah. Can I say that? Oh, you can uh, say it whatever you want. Yeah. Well, I'm trying to, you know, on, on some, one of the other shows, I mean, I had to ask. No, you guys we don't, we don't, we don't do any no. no censoring on this show. You <laughs> okay. can say whatever you want. Well, I censor myself. Otherwise, my oldest... <laughs> My oldest sister, Adele, is a PhD in English and teaches English teachers how to teach English. And if she hears me saying any other word than proper diction, she's well, on the we'll, phone. We'll, make, we'll oh. make sure she hears the stuff that you yeah, talked about. about, bitch, phone, about that that whole that whole dialogue about bitch tits, we'll make sure she hears that. <laughs> I mean, it should be in the dictionary by now, so it should be acceptable. I mean, come on. Careful. She'll come after you. No, whenever, whenever I hear a doctor like you say bitch tits in a formal setting, I always laugh looking at the audience because I think you might have said that at the anti-aging conference, and I'm looking at all these prim and proper doctors around well, me. Hey, <laughs> I just use the vernacular that you guys use. Well, hey, it's very accurate, right? Exactly. Yeah, it's appropriate. At that moment, it's appropriate. What, you call it gynecomastia? What's yeah, that? Exactly. Yeah. exactly. Bitch tits, the, average, the person listening right now understands that. Exactly. I mean, a lot of people Absolutely. listening may even have those. You know, so. They're probably looking yeah, down right now as we speak with their chin down like about me <laughs> they just like they just volunteer. they just bought a they just bought a bro at the store and they're going shit that's me i could have saved some money here if i <laughs> got my hormones bro. looked at <laughs> yeah, unfortunately <laughs> unfortunately in guys they develop 
pendulous breasts of an 80-year-old woman at 30 years of age if they didn't take care of their estrogen. That's a scary visual well, right there on both, on both accounts. Seen, <laughs> well, it's happening with teenagers now. you got little boys walking around with breasts bigger than girls are the no, same age. Estrogen dominance is prolific. Correct. It's prolific. You see more and more couples where their bodies look exactly the same. They're both overweight and they're both holding fat. The, like the guy's holding fat the way an overweight woman right. would, and and she's clearly estrogen dominant as well, and they look interchangeable. It's scary how often you see that. Right. What what I see is, and I have a um, a little cartoon that on one of my presentations of uh, and, uh, uh, testosterone deficiency, andropause, um, where it shows um, a caricature of a woman in her greater than 50s and a man greater than 50s, and he has become estrogen-based, and yeah. she's become testosterone-based. <laughs> because what happens is, as a guy goes gets older, his relative proportions of testosterone to estrogen switch, so it's more estrogen. And in a woman, it switches more testosterone. That's mm. why in older couples, who's the boss? <laughs> exactly, the nagging the lady. Woman. Exactly. Yeah. The lady. <laughs> yeah. She's telling him what to do. You know, which is hormonally based, and I love watching it. Well, we see we you're making a good case for being pussy whipped as a <laughs> as as one of the factors with low <laughs> with low testosterone. So, Doctor so Gordon, we welcome young, to our we, show. Thank you. When we, young, when we see young guys that are whipped, we're like, look, Ben, I'm concerned about your health right now. You may have really low testosterone. Like, hey guys, I'd love to come to your workshop. I need I need to, I need to check with my wife first. Like, dude, how? No, I, I have how guys like, oh, I just bought your video. My wife's gonna be mad when she sees the bill oh, i know <laughs> like, it's like i think you're gonna be mad when you see your hormonal profile you know? <laughs> one thing you're, you're talking about estrogen dominance mm-hmm. and yeah. it was a dr lee who's deceased i think 2004 right. but he was the one who championed the position which is called estrogen dominant which to this day the physician pool ignores it finds it difficult to accept, but it's a relationship between estrogen and progesterone, which mm-hmm. young uh, young women to older women develop, right. where if you have too much estrogen, not enough progesterone, the brain won't function mm-hmm. optimally mm-hmm. and you can't sleep. So women develop sleep deprivation. Uh, I had an 18-year-old who developed migraines and she was estrogen dominance. We just put her on a little bit of progesterone on day 15 to 25 of her menstrual period and her migraines disappeared Mm -hmm. and mood improves. PMS, premenstrual syndrome, is estrogen-based. All you have to do is look at the estrogen and progesterone level, which most doctors... That concludes part one of our discussion with Dr. Mark Gordon on the relationship between traumatic brain injuries and hormone deficiencies. Be sure to tune into our next episode as we continue our discussion with Dr. Mark Gordon as we discuss how the military, as well as first responders and professional sports teams have responded to Dr. Gordon's work, as well as how having a cold can greatly affect your IQ. Now, that's going to be quite interesting. Also, Dr. Gordon discusses his treatment for women and if it's different from the treatment that he has with his male patients. Also, Dr. Gordon addresses the topic of high cholesterol and why it's convoluted and pretty much just a bunch of BS. So make sure you tune in to part two of our discussion with Dr. Mark Gordon right here on the Live Life Aggressively podcast with Mike Mahler and yours truly, Sincere Hogan. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.